Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special elections episode of The Runner on Air. My name is Chris Burdick. I will be the host once again for this episode, and I'm joined with our podcaster, Presley Jameson, as we will break down all of the major races that you will see this year on your 2020 California ballot. We will do our best to break down the presidential election and their stances on the major issues, the House of Representatives races that you will see, as well as some of the more local school board races that you'll find around Kern County. We want to stress that a good portion of the information that we have for this episode have been pulled from campaign pages of these candidates, as well as a questionnaire that we were able to send out to the candidates of the school board races around town. All right, so let's get right down to it. Let's start with the presidential race. There are six total choices on the ballot. There's the incumbent, President Donald J. Trump of the Republican Party and his running mate, Vice President Mike Pence. The Democrats have brought forth Joe Biden and his choice for Vice President, the California Senator Kamala Harris. Then there are the four lesser known parties. The America Independent Party of California has put up Roque de la Fuerte, along with his running mate, Kanye West. The Green Party has brought in Howie Hawkins with, with his running mate, Angela Nicole Walker. The Libertarian Party's candidate is Joe Jorgensen with her running mate, Spike Cohen. And the final candidate comes from the Peace and Freedom Party, Gloria Lariva, and her running mate, Sunil Freeman. The two major party representatives, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, have been campaigning since August of this year, going from state to state in their push for 270 electoral votes to solidify their win and move into the presidential seat. They have both faced off in two different debates over the last month and also a competing town hall meeting where they addressed voters' questions while the president was recovering from his small stint with COVID-19. But there are still some that are somewhat confused on where both of these men stand on some of the major issues around the U.S. So we will attempt to do our best to break that down for you as we can. I will speak on behalf of Republican candidate Donald Trump. And Presley will be handling the Democrat side and Joe Biden. Uh, We must stress that neither of us are choosing these sides due to our own political beliefs. We are trying to stay as straight and narrow as we possibly can. All information of their policies was found on bbc.com. So let's start with the biggest question mark of the year, which has been coronavirus. President Trump has set up a coronavirus task force and is pushing quite a bit of money towards treatments and vaccines for this virus, directing $10 billion towards these projects. He believes that we will be flattening the curve very soon and that this virus will be quote-unquote disappearing as well. Biden is wanting to set up a national contact tracing program. This will establish 10 testing centers in every state and provide free coronavirus testing to everyone. He's also pushing for a nationwide mask mandate, which requires every person to wear a face covering until the virus has dissipated. The next big topic would be climate change. President Trump is a known skeptic when it comes to this, and he aims to increase drilling of oil and gas in order to expand non-renewable energies, as well as roll back on some environmental protections. Trump is also very committed to pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, which was the international agreement on tackling climate change. Biden is quite the opposite. He immediately wants to rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. He also wants the U.S. to reach net zero emissions by 2050. This proposes banning of all new leases for oil and gas drilling on public lands, as well as donating $2 trillion in investments to green energy. Next up, we have the economy. 
Trump has pledged to create 10 million jobs in 10 months and 1 million small businesses. He also wants to deliver a income tax cut and provide companies with credits that will incentivize them to keep jobs in the U.S. and continue to grow the companies here. Biden wants to raise taxes for high earners, those who make $400,000 a year, in order to pay for the investment in public services. He also is wanting to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. So the next major issue is health care. President Trump wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act, which was passed by President Obama back in March of 2010. Although he does want to repeal it, it does not mean he wants to get rid of it entirely. He feels like he wants to find ways to improve it and replace it, although no deals have been made so far and no legislations have been pushed. He also wants to aim to lower some drug prices by allowing imports from cheaper places abroad. Biden wants to protect and expand the Affordable Care Act. He's hoping to lower the eligibility age for Medicare specifically the policy that provides medical benefits, lowering that age from 65 to 60. He also wants to give all Americans the options to enroll in a public health insurance plan. Next up on the issues list, we have the issue of race and the police. Uh, Trump has stood with law enforcement and does not believe that there is systemic racism in their ranks, but has shown that he opposes the chokeholds and has donated many grants to improve police practices. Biden sees racism as systemic and has funded grants to give states incentives to reduce incarceration rates. He also does not want to defund the police, but rather give them more resources to maintain a higher standard of policing. Next up would be gun control. Trump has expressed his support for the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms, but has proposed tightening up background checks on gun buyers after the string of shootings in 2019 but nothing has come up so far. So Biden is for stronger gun control. He's wanting to propose banning assault weapons, universal background checks, and limiting the numbers of guns a person can purchase in one month, thus making it easier to sue negligent gun manufacturers and sellers. And that final issue touched upon would be the Supreme Court. President Trump has elected his choice to take the seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Amy Coney Barrett, He believes that it's in his constitutional right to fill that vacancy since he is still the president. But there is worry that her conservative beliefs will stall out the passing of some of Biden's legislation if he's elected into the presidency, like abortion, which she has been known to oppose. Biden wants the vacancy to be filled after the next president enters office. He says that if he's elected, he would work to pass legislation to guarantee a woman's right to an abortion if the Supreme Court rules against it. These will be the major issues that the next president will have to face once this election has concluded. And no matter what party you stand with, it should be stressed that the policies that they push are what will drive the country forward. So it is important to know where each party stands on these issues. So we stress that you should make your choice not with the political party in which you stand, but the beliefs in which they carry. Next up, we want to focus on a couple local races for the House of Representatives. First, the one that everybody has seen all around town and you've heard their ads for the last couple weeks, which would be the 21st Congressional District in California. That'd be the race against the incumbent T.J. Cox and David Valadeo of the Republicans. T.J. Cox is wanting to clean up a few things around California. 
He's understanding of the water crisis here in California. He's also wanting to push against Trump's cruel immigration policy and doesn't see the diversity of our nation as a problem, but rather as a promise. He's also wanting to close the gap between rural and urban communities by increasing funding for STEM programs for Central Valley schools. TJ Cox is working to create new ag businesses, protect their export markets, fight for fair trade deals, and invest in new job trainings. Uh, the challenger, David Valadeo, who used to hold the seat in the 21st district, is also running on the same foundational issues. Uh, he believes a safe and stable water supply is critical for the Central Valley, especially after the drought that we just experienced. Uh, he is working to pass common sense legislation that will put Americans back to work. Being a son of an immigrant, he supports a reasonable and responsible path to citizenship. He wants to help these people come out of the dark and get involved with society and take the focus off of those who are just trying to raise their families and put it on people who are committing serious crimes, as well as expand the education system and make it more comprehensive and allow everyone to have the tools they need to succeed. Before we move on any further, me and Presley want to take a quick stop and talk to you guys about the civility in voting. Over the last couple of months, tensions have risen tremendously when it comes to the presidential race, and we've seen it as well when it comes to this TJ Cox versus David Valadeo race as well. You may have noticed a good amount of their campaign ads have been nothing but slander against one another, trying to make the other look terrible. And this has transferred over to the people discussing their political beliefs as well. We want to stress that everyone should be able to have their own beliefs. We should all be able to talk about them civilly without the need to fight one another about them. As we kind of stated before, no matter where you land on any of these issues, everybody should have a voice on which direction we should take going forward with the country. And being polarized to one side of the argument is not going to help this country grow the way we need it to. I just think it's really important to respect others' decision when it comes to voting and exercising that right to vote. A person's belief system is their own and they have the right to act on those beliefs. I got a chance to sat down with CSUB's political science professor, Dirk Korn, who had this to say about the importance of being civil while voting. You need to have civility in this, right? You have to remember that these people are our neighbors, our families, our friends, right? So you cannot have uh, this a mentality where somebody disagrees with you politically, therefore you're going to have a cutthroat mentality. Political warfare is like what I call it in my, in my classes, right? Uh, that is not uh, conducive to getting things done. Yeah. Very rarely is a party going to have a majority large enough to not only deal with the factions within their own party, but uh, pass legislation solely on their own accord, right? We saw this with mm -hmm. uh, the Republican control of the House and the Senate under the first couple of years of President Trump. They were not able to get everything done. We saw this when President Obama and the Democrats controlled uh, both chambers of Congress. They weren't able to get everything done. You need to cooperate with people on the other side, um, and you need to treat people with respect. The, there needs to be a, a, a certain amount of maturity in these things. These are uh, civil, civil matters, right? But they need to be uh, done in a very civil way uh, when you interact with people. You can disagree, but you could do so res uh, respectfully, right? That's what you should, uh, how you should carry yourself, not only when it comes to politics, but anything in life. So the other race we wanted to cover would be the 23rd district, which covers more of Kern County, Tulare, and L.A., which is the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, going up against Kim Mangoni. As stated before, Kevin McCarthy is the former majority leader, now minority leader, as uh, a career politician since 2002 and began his seat in the House back in 2007. Kim Mangoni was born in Biloxi, Mississippi. She served in the U.S. 
Air Force from 1980 to 1986. Mangoni earned a bachelor's degree in professional aeronautics from MB-Riddle Aeronautical University. As it sits right now, Kevin is in the driver's seat in that race. What looks to be another win for upholding his seat for at least another two years. And finally, we want to get into some more local races. The, the school board race is going on this year. Uh, our team of riders at the runner created and sent out a questionnaire to all of the candidates that are running for school boards this year in the Bakersfield City School Board, the Kern County High School District, and the Panama Buena Vista Union School District. Unfortunately, not all of the all of the candidates were able to answer us, but we will do our best those who did answer us get their answers out and give you a little bit of information of what we can on some of these people running. First off, we're going to talk about the Bakersfield City School District. All the information that we did not get from the candidates, I am pulling from the Bakersfield City School District webpage. First, we have District 1, Lillian Tafoya against Michael Eggert. Lillian is the current seat holder. Uh, she has 23 years of experience as a school trustee to the Bakersfield City School District of Directors. She has a deep passion for student advocacy and has been an education consultant for a variety of companies, including ASCD in Virginia. She has won numerous awards, including the National Principal of the Year and the Distinguished Alumnus Award from New Mexico Highland University. Taking her on would be Michael Eggert, and according to an article by Emma Galagos on Bakersfield.com, Eggert worked for 25 years in the Bakersfield City School District, and he's been active in employee group. Eggert worked for 25 years in the Bakersfield City School District. For 12 years, he was president of the California School Employees Association Chapter 848 Board. And he has said that safety needs to be a higher priority and resources need to be allocated according. Eggert holds safety in high regard if, if people are trying to get back into the classroom and wants to make sure that resources are accurately, are given accordingly to each school that requires them. Next is District 3, which is Reverend Ralph Anthony versus Chris Cruz Boone. Reverend Anthony was elected in April of 2018. He brings 48 years of experience in areas of public and private policy, also 40 years in child care preparation for schools. Anthony is a member of several educational and mentoring organizations for youth, such as Reach for Greatness and the Comprehensive African-American Academic Achievement Program. The challenger Chris Cruz Boone is a communication professor at Bakersfield College and is looking to challenge long-held norms in the district and reimagine what school could be. Setting priorities of social justice, arts and higher education, Boone is looking to fix urgent issues like the budget and finding a way to reopen post-pandemic. She says that her experience as a mother has shaped her understanding of long-distance learning and her experience as an author and researcher gives her the perfect requirements to take on this trustee spot. Next, we'll be talking about District 4 in the Bakersfield City School District, which is the incumbent Laura Guerrero Salgado going up against Miguel Juarez Sr. and Ben Valdez Jr. Laura Guerrero Salgado is a proud mother of three children who are currently enrolled in dual immersion programs at Bakersfield City School District. She believes in being active in her children's education and has been a member for the district for years. She truly believes in the vision, values, and mission of the district. Salgado wants to continue to provide the highest forms of education and supports students and families within that district. 
She encourages parents and members of the community to get involved and be a part of the great works happening within the Bakersfield City School District. Uh, one of the challengers, Miguel Juarez Sr., was covered by Emily Gallegos, again in her article, 11 candidates vie for four out of five seats on BCSD's board on Bakersfield.com, where she states, Miguel believes that his history as a former custodian is the perfect fit for the board right now when, and what they need in order to reopen safely after this pandemic that we have been facing. Uh, he also sees the money being wasted throughout the district on things that are not necessary, like immediate expensive remodeling of offices, and is looking to make sure that the parents of these children have a voice at these meetings as well in order to find the right change for the district. And the final challenger, Ben Valdez Jr., is a product of this school district and has personally vested interest in making sure all the children who attend these schools get a quality education. Valdez doesn't want to change the district per se, but instead make it more attractive to incoming educators in order to ensure that they have the resources necessary to continue to help the district grow going forward. And finally, we have District 5. And finally, we have the District 5 seat, which is up for grabs against five different challengers. The incumbent Dr. Fred L. Haynes will not be returning. These challengers are all Brooke Malley-Alt, Ian Journey, Shannon Zimmerman, Johnita Clements, and Bethany Bachman. Brooke Malley-Alt is running as an advocate for these children and has been teaching for these schools for the past 12 years. She wants to redirect resources from the budget to hire more social workers and bring back counseling positions. She attended Bakersfield City School District schools from kindergarten through eighth grade and has worked as a classroom teacher for them for six years now. She says she understands the struggles and needs of these children as well as their families because she has worked so close with them for so long. Another of the challengers, Ian Journey, PE, believes the board is out of touch with having young children both in and out of school. Ian believes that parents serving on the board should be more normal and stresses that the involvement of parents in the curriculum will help create the best outcomes. Journey believes that his real world experiences as a professional engineer will help create fresh ideas on the board about conservation of funds and transparency with parents to help further their child's education. The other challengers, Shannon Zimmerman, Johnita Clements, and Bethany Bachman, unfortunately could not get back to us on time, but each have their own incredible experiences that could benefit District 5 going forward. And next on the list, we're going to talk about the current high school district races, starting with Area 2. Area 2's race is Jeff Flores versus M. Dale record. Jeff Flores believes in the transformative power of education for all students, irrespective of background, and education is the catalyst for self-improvement and better quality for life. He wants to make improvements to the educational attainment levels in Kern County and position the Kern High School District to be one of the best districts in the state. He also wants to foster more career and college pathways for the students. Flores has decades of experience in leadership positions, service in public, private, and nonprofit sectors. He prides himself on working with parents, teachers, and community stakeholders to create a better learning environment. And the challenger M. Dale Record is running for school board to positively support student learning, equal spending for each student, equal facilities and maintenances for all areas, and gender equality in hiring practices in this district. She believes that the district has some kind of gender bias 
She believes the district has some kind of gender bias and is worried that this could have a negative impact on students perceived to be out of line. She wants to give the students tools to make good choices and create their own world rather than be useful tools in whatever schemes are out there once they graduate. Gregor wants the schools to be inclusive for all. She has a master's degree in secondary education and worked in mostly lower socioeconomic schools. She found that understanding the students' needs leads to helping them learn and enjoy learning overall. And the other race in the Kern High School District is Area 3, which is Joey O'Connell against David Manriquez. Joey O'Connell has been an involved community member for over 30 years. Four years he has spent as a member of the Kern High School District Board of Trustees and is the current Vice President of the Kern High School District Board. He feels led to provide a voice of common sense and responsibility for the students and parents in Kern County. He believes that the board members are entrusted with decision-making that affect the future leaders. He wants students to be physically safe and academically challenged. He will continue to fight to restore a community voice in local education and work to make a difference. He believes the issue with the Kern County education right now is the return to school of the students and teachers. He wants to provide a safe return to school that can be implemented in phases as our state government allows. David Manriquez has plenty of experience when it comes to school boards. He was a member of the Lamont School District Board for 12 years and was president for 10 of those years. He was the current school board associate director in 2015, as well as a 25-year football and wrestling coach for Arvin and Ridgeview High Schools. His main focus is to follow the recommendations and guidelines set for COVID-19 reopening in order to bring the students back as safe and healthy as humanly possible. And finally, we want to take you through the Panama Buena Vista Union School District races. There are three seats available currently. We're going to take you through all of the incumbents and challengers at the same time, starting with the man who is serving on the board currently, J.P. Lake. JP has served on the board since 2016 and has a background in business and governance, which has helped the district launch the STEAM Academy at Castle Elementary School. Lake believes that equality education is critical for the future of the city and wants to address the issues of inequality of student achievement and academics. If reelected, he wants to continue to work the newly established Committee on Equality and invest to help close the gaps of minority student learning and English speaking students by redirecting funds away from programs that aren't working currently in the district. Brian Easter is another candidate. Brian is the assistant principal of instruction at Frontier High and has taught nine years in the district. If elected, Brian wants to continue to push for exemptions with recommended safety measures in place, starting with special populations, then moving slowly into first through junior high as well as advocate for parent and teacher choice when it comes to the use of proper learning models for the students, such as full distance, hybrid, or full in-person classes. Another candidate that we got to talk to was Kelly Youngstrom. Kelly believes that strong schools make strong communities and better jobs and futures for the children who are attending them. Youngstrom has a family history in public education and has a drive to improve our community for her, not only her four children, but all of the young children who are attending these schools. She is looking to increase transparency in the district so everyone can access major components like finances, health and safety, curriculum, 
future district growth plans, academic results, and technology that will be used. She wants to emphasize and strengthen the community by increasing literacy, making a safe environment, and focusing on strengthening fiscal responsibilities and transparency of taxpayer money. Next up on the list is Tom Webster. Webster wants to improve the proper investment in technology to help prepare the children, parents, and secure the data the school system needs. He would like to build the online capabilities of the district and capitalize on helping children who currently cannot be in person for classes due to medical issues. With his 20 years of experience in managing projects in technology and construction, he understands the work that is needed to go into getting these changes made and helping the children of the district. And the final candidate we spoke with was Michael Tan. Tan is a senior program manager at Envisioning Justice Solutions. He has said that he has never gotten involved in school board until the pandemic started. And then when he began to watch the meetings online, he realized that some of the trustees were not parents of students that were attending the schools in the district. Tan would like to change this and create a more positive outcome for the students through transparency and change the, in the way they look at each student while finding a way to invest in every student individually. He would like to take the GATE program and get an outside evaluation to test its effectiveness with the students. Tan's entire life has been committed to public service and hopes that his proven leadership can lead the district away from an impersonal connection with the parents and students and make sure that the students are more than just an afterthought. The other people that are involved in this race that we could not speak with, Muol Sadak Abbas, Zach Bistrash and Paula Van Aken. And with that, that is all the races that we would like to share with all of you. We hope that all of this information is helpful to all of you to make your decisions of who you would like to vote for. Before we go, we'd like to end with a little advice of the importance of voting. We know that you hear this all the time and that, and it can make it feel like maybe the importance of voting is stressed enough, but we cannot express it enough that these votes do matter and that your vote is the first step to moving the government in the direction in which you want it to move. 2020 has been a hell of a year. And in this year, we have seen a lot of various issues pop up that everybody has a voice in how we go about changing them. And the best way to make your voice known is to go out and vote on November 3rd. I agree with everything that Chris just said. And I believe Professor Dirkhorn said it best when he gave me this tidbit of great advice on the importance of voting that I would like to leave with you all as well. Voting for one is a civic duty, right? So just like you're called for jury duty and people don't like to go, but it is your civic duty to go. Uh, voting is a civic duty as well, but voting is also a civic duty and a right that many people have literally died for throughout history, trying to gain access to the ballot box for certain groups of individuals, right? Um, and to just ignore that because a candidate doesn't align with you 100% or 90% or 80% or 60% or whatever percentage, right? That is uh, disrespectful to those people that have come before us and those people that have literally laid their lives on the line uh, to uh, fight for the right to vote, to fight for our right to vote uh, and to be able to have the right to flippantly say, oh, I'm not gonna vote. I don't like my choices, right? That's not been an option for everybody historically. So take advantage of this, right? People have literally died for your ability to do so. And with that, that's all we have for you this week. We would like to thank Professor Horn for talking to us this week and giving us some great insight when it comes to civility and voting and its importance as well. We want to thank all of you for listening. We hope this information was beneficial to you as you make your final decisions on who you will vote for on your ballot. Remember, 
voting is key. Voting is important and your vote does matter. But we still thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to find any more of our podcasts, please look us up on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Music. But that's all we got for you this week. We will have this very special Halloween episode coming out on Halloween, so look out for that. But until then, we will see you later.